Uh, my name is Floyd Marshall, and I am your humble host of A Conversation With. And today I am joined by one of my most favorite people to talk to. This is her third time on my podcast, and she is actually the only guest that I've had on my podcast three times. Wow. So, yeah. So I really love talking to her because she is absolutely amazing. And who am I talking about? I am talking about the angel. She is an amazing film scorer. She is a film and music producer. And you know what? The resume is long and the, and the experience and, you know, the things that she's done mm -hmm. in the film industry and in the television industry, and more importantly, the music in industry is, is really fascinating. So tonight we're going to talk about more of the music aspect because uh, she released a song in 2022, correct? Correct. And good grief. And it, it, it's an absolutely, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing song. And I wrote it down, but I can't find it. So what is the name of the song that you just released with? Uh, with Slim Kid Trey. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the track is called How It Goes Down. And it, goes down. it is by my alter ego. I release records as the angel. And I also release records as 60 channels. And so this is a 60 channels track that Trey and I recorded together many moons ago. Um, but I always wanted to give it a different flavor, a different, mm -hmm. a, just a different take. So I went back into it and remixed it. And we released it at, uh, toward the end of last year uh, with a video that's very trippy and really out there. And we co-directed the video and uh, I edited the video and did all the crazy effects on it. And, uh, and Slim Kid Trey, you know, for all far, the Farside fans, he is an original member of the Farside. And the nice thing is that like, they've been out touring. They've, they've just got back from Europe like in the last couple of weeks. And they toured America last year, or the, maybe it was the beginning of this year, but they've been really active again, which is so great. Um, they're also my old label, label mates on Delicious Vinyl from back in the day. In the 90s, that's when we met. And so Trey and I have known each other all these years, and we've recorded together several times. I've, I've produced tracks on his albums, and he's been on my projects as well. And we actually we actually performed together a track called Make It Better, which is not by 60 Channels. It's a, the Angel track. Um, and we performed that on, on the Late Late Show when Craig Kilburn was the host back wow. again. Back so, um, yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful collaborator and a good friend, just a great human being and, and super talented. I mean, that goes without saying, but he's just, yeah, all that. And I love the I love the far side, too. You know, and I've read yeah. So there's there's a lot of like cross pollination there. Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful, and hopefully, we'll give you something to help you maximize your business but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. Yeah, that's amazing. So we just blew up the question order that I had. <laughs> that was way down the line, but that's okay. Oh, okay. okay. That, is, that is okay. So, but you know, I want to go back uh, for a second. What made you decide to go into music? What, what was the what made you just say, hey, I want to I want to do music? You know, I, I always like I wrote little pieces for myself on the piano when I was a kid. You know, I took piano lessons and I and I very soon realized that I didn't like I didn't want to be playing and become a proficient player. What I really loved was being able to write little tunes and then I would write them and memorize them. Um, and I would also memorize everything that I was learning as a student. Um, and I, I, I just hated, I hated reading music and <laughs> I, I just kind of rejected it. And, uh, and I never thought I'd be doing this professionally or anything professionally in music because I just, that 
you know, that was not encouraged. It was like, yeah, that's nice. Have that as a hobby, but you're going to go to, you're going to go to college and you're going to get a degree in like marketing or something else, or maybe you'll be a doctor or whatever. And so, yeah, that was not to be, not, not to be, but I followed my muse and certain opportunities popped up and I, you know, I had friends that were making music and then we'd start, you know, just jamming and doing stuff together. And I really, what I was very, very drawn to was the technology. And so when, you know, when you could program music and I could play things in via MIDI and I could actually access any sound in the world, I could create sounds. It was like, wow, I, I think I really want to do this. I was never keen on like, oh, being out front and being a singer or being any of that stuff. I was really keen on creating sounds. And this is way before the composing. So, you know, opportunities knocked. You know, things came to me that I didn't expect. I didn't go after it. It kind of found me. Um, and I just started, you know, demoing things and making music with different people. And uh, one thing kind of led to another. And eventually I wound up doing making that deal with Delicious Vinyl while I was living in London. And I moved to L.A. to, to come and support it and release records. And, and I made an album in the U.K. Uh, for them. And that album never got released. And so this is an interesting piece of, of my history anyway that you may not know about. But, the, and this is how I came to know Slim Kid Trey and everybody mm. else that was involved in, in, in a Delicious at the time, like the brand new heavies and, and Master Ace and a whole bunch of really cool artists. But um, I made this album and we got, we released one single. And as that was going on, Delicious lost their distribution deal with Atlantic Records. And so it became a problem of like who was going to distribute this album that was ready, pretty much ready to go. It was like everything was mixed, but we hadn't mastered everything. But the one single we did master and we did release it. So, you know, we spent some time trying to shop it together. And I can't even remember exactly what happened, but we kind of at some point we agreed to sort of hug, hug it out and go our separate ways. So my masters for this album have been sitting in their vaults for 30 years. And last year, they very kindly gave me back all of my masters. And uh, they gave me back the album and, and everything that I did for them and all of my publishing, which they had a piece. They only had, a, they had America for my publishing for that album. And the other part of that publishing went to a much bigger company. It was part of Famous Music, which was part of Paramount at the time. And then that catalog got sold to Sony and then God bless them. Sony gave me my entire catalog back last year as well. I mean, we've been working on this for a long time. So it's not like, oh, this just happened just like that. But there seems to be a shift in the industry of, I think, a little bit of just a kinder way of dealing with creatives and artists, which is amazing. But it's still a mir miraculous thing. And I'm I'm so grateful. So the bottom line is there there is this 30-year-old time capsule that I am working on getting it into shape because there's a lot of samples on there and things I, I may have to ditch in order to be able to release it. Um, but I really don't want to go back in. I don't want to recreate. I want to try to just figure out if I have enough versions of each thing that are sample free and use those versions and, and get it out, you know? So, and it's just so completely different from what I do in film and television. It's completely different from what I did with Trey on how it goes down. Everything I do, I am very eclectic. So there's no sort of like, well, what's the angel sound? And what do you, it's like, it's whatever the thing needs, you know, when it's, when I'm composing and it's not my baby, it's not my, my um, call, then it's what, what does the film need? What does that TV show need? Stylistically, um, instrument, you know, instrumentation wise, tonally, um, it's a whole other thing. But when it's my own stuff and I'm, releasing records you know it, it can be any kind of crazy melange and i've de definitely created stuff that is just it doesn't fit neatly into a genre that's just the angel wow so you know what and, and that's great because that kind of leads into my next question because your sound is very unique so i, I i'm taking that that was not intentional but it's just something that that happened early in your career and or did you gravitate toward that or was that always you that you really didn't want to do music or I, I don't even know if i really want to say you didn't really want to but it just wasn't in you to do stuff the uh 
traditional way, I would say, mm, because okay. listening to some of your music, it's really different. Yeah. Well, it is flavorful, <laughs> I think, mm -hmm. I've been told. Um, but, you know, it's, I didn't intentionally intentionally set out to be different. I didn't mm -hmm. think, oh, I, I really want to just like completely do something unique and different. But I followed my muse and it took me to a very unique and sort of individual place. And so all the things that I love became amalgamated into a sound that I created that borrowed from everything from soul and funk and reggae and R&B and even rock. I mean, jazz, it's all in there, you know, in different, uh, different, it's like a different equation each time. You know, there's just little snippets of things that, and, I, and I'm, I'm big on just incorporating the things that I love from a, from a flavor standpoint so that um, it just kind of comes out with its own certain something. And it, again, I say it's, it was not intentional, like when, you know, on the recording side, on the record business side of things, it's definitely its own thing. Um, but when I'm hired to score a film or a television show, it's all about story and how do I support the story and how do I support the story in, in terms of what does it need tonally? How has it been shot? What's the, you know, what's the vibe of the show? So it's a really, it's great because I love it. I, I just go completely out of here and into there. Like this, you know, that's, I'm just like in it, in the picture. You're playing a supporting role and, and I love it. Well, let me ask you this. Well, first of all, did you, when, while you were creating your music, mm. and again, your sound is very eclectic and it's very different. So did you ever get pushback from the more, traditional music makers and they were like well angel i don't know about this and, and i don't know if that's gonna because that's I, I we ain't never heard nothing like that before so are you sure you want to go that way did you ever get any of that not really i mean to be honest like when i brought a batch of demos to delicious vinyl they were just like oh shit this is this is so cool who produced mm -hmm. it and i was like i did and they're like no you know, so, you know, I mean, and the productions, uh, the production of that early stuff is, is pretty big, you know, mm -hmm. porn sections and all kinds of really groovy funkiness going on. I, you know, I think that they did have a hard time when it came to marketing me because it was like, well, which, what pigeonhole can we put you in? Oh, right. there isn't one, <laughs> you know, and to me, as someone who's always been, you know, marketing um, savvy or at least interested in it or thinking that way. My mom was a marketing manager as I was growing up. So, you know, it was like, well, the idea is like, you've got something unique or special or different. That should be exciting, fresh, mm -hmm. new. You can look at it as like, oh, what are we going to do with you? Or you could look at it as like, here's an opportunity to like do something really inventive with some marketing. And unfortunately, the industry just isn't built that way. It's not built to kind of figure that stuff out. It's more like, great, we got this batch of artists that fit in this category. We got a bunch of them here and a bunch of them there. Let's just slip you right into one of these boxes and, and then everything will be cool. And uh, that's just not the way that it is for me. And so, you know, I, I basically, after Delicious, I, I've set up my own label. I've been releasing my own records. It has not been easy. I wasn't sitting on a pile of cash. So it's all been very kind of underground, building it up. You know, back in the day, there wasn't, wasn't even an internet when I started making records. Mm. It was just the beginning of like, you know, that. So, you know, it, it was a very different time. So you couldn't just like make your records and like, you know, but you could actually program them and get them completely ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then it became possible to actually record them in your home, in a, in a home studio, in a home setting, and get them to sound good enough that you didn't have to book in somewhere and spend a ton of money to, you know, to actually do your mixing and stuff. So I, I've done both. I've done it every which way. But, um, but for my own stuff, it was like there was no budget, so I would just knock it out at home. And like 90% of my releases have been done that way, even to this day. You know, so, so you know what's interesting? You said something really interesting, how they want to put you in a box, but yet and still they're always yelling for original content. Yeah. Which way do you want it? Do you want 
the box and the cookie cutter, <laughs> yeah. or do you want the original content? Because when you come with the box stuff, well, we've seen that before, but that's what you told me you wanted. Yeah. So I'm 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 over here being original, and you're saying, well, that's kind of too far out of what we were. So what do you want me to do or be? So yeah, you just said, fuck it. I'm a oops. Well. Well, yeah. that, this one's not clean, you know. <laughs> oh, but that's it. I mean, I, absolutely. I was just like, okay, well, you know, the thing is that people, res they really responded well to, to mm -hmm. what I was doing. And especially all my fellow artists were just like, damn, Angel, what you're doing is really cool. Like, you mm -hmm. know, and so, and I was being asked to remix other artists like Michael Franti from Spearhead, uh, Donald, I, I was, you know, the only woman on a, compilation album that Blue Note put together called mm. uh, The New Groove. And it was a remix album with some huge heavy hitters. Uh, all, all of the, the, the that current time of uh, hip hop producers, you know, everybody from, from the roots to uh, Michael Franti was one of the producers on there. And I mean, just everybody, everybody is a who's who um, and me. Um, and I wound up producing the only original track on that album because they loved what I did with the Donald Byrd remix that I that I did for them. Um, it's a track called Kofi. And it's and I brought in, I said, look, I'd really like to involve a spoken word artist. She's also a rapper, but she's amazing. Um, her, her poetry is just incredible. And they were like, whatever you want to do. I mean, I, you know, I'm grateful that people kind of they understood that I had a perspective, you know, when I was putting tracks together that I didn't just sort of, I wasn't following anybody. I didn't sound like anybody, but they could get with it because it wasn't weird. It was just kind of different. So they let me do, you know, I had a lot of freedom, which was amazing. And so that album I made for Delicious, you know, was just me. You know, I produced, I wrote, I arranged, I did everything on that record. And then I brought in a lot of fantastic musicians and other vocalists as well. Um, and I did some vocals back then, which I, I never really... I was never really keen on on singing, to be honest. It's not my, you know, I'm I'm very, very clear about where my talents and skills lie. Yes, I can sing, but that doesn't mean that I'm the greatest singer. No, mm -hmm. not by a long shot. And also the kind of vocals that I was imagining as I was writing all those songs was not, I, I don't have the chops for that. So mm -hmm. I, I knew what I wanted, you know, how to how to how to rock that in the right way. You know, I, I I got no problem with it. I don't have to be great at everything. Really. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's always good to have. It's kind of it's kind of a. This is my lane. That's your mm -hmm. lane, and I'll mm -hmm. I'll occupy my lane, and I'll occupy my lane well. Yeah. And then you bring in someone that knows what they're doing, which will just add to what you've put forth. You know, yeah. because like you said, you could have done it, but. Let me bring in someone that can really bring this to life. And to your point about, you know, making different music, one of the things that I love is, is different. I love fusion. That's one of the things I love about fusion mm. because there's, there's yeah. this one jazz station. Um, I'm not going to name it because I don't want anyone coming after me. Okay. And the jazz is so cookie cutter uh, and it just really, it's like, if I hear another saxophone jazz song on this station i'm going to scream in the car i hear you and, and it just it just it just blows my mind so the fact that you're you're making different music that i can turn it on and say you know what i'm going to be surprised that's true <laughs> i will always surprise <laughs> And that's that, that's that's a, and that's a beautiful thing, and especially when it's a good surprise. Right oh, on. I wasn't expecting that, but yeah. but I'm enjoying myself, and that's yeah. the beauty. We're if 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 we're considered creatives, then create as opposed to creating by the numbers. How about taking a paint and just throwing it on the wall like a Thelonious Monk does? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my late dear uh, brother, bass player. He was a bass player. Not my not my actual brother, but my, mm -hmm. he was a brother to me, um, Robert Russell, you know, he would always say things to me like, man, you think like miles. I'm like, Whoa, wow. Really? Like that's deep. I mean, I just, but I do think outside the box. I'm not afraid to try things. I I've done crazy things with my recordings and, and with my musicians and even taking, you know,
different uh, performances of theirs and just cutting it up and changing it and just manipulating it, manipulating the sound, making things that are, you know, an acoustic something or other, name, name your instrument, and making it sound like something completely different and having a completely different feeling. It just, it brings out a completely different feeling in the music when you do that. I don't want to be limited to the, the physical world and, and what we, you know, what we can tangibly pick up and play which is why I'm like big on creating my own sounds and, I, and blending, mixing, blending. And then that's why I really love mixing my own music as well, because it's, it's in that process that you can really get deeply into just create, you know, just creating this atmosphere and this, th this ethereal something that is just, you know, you can't, you can't put your finger on it, but you know how it makes you feel. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like a kaleidoscope. You're just mishmashing and putting things together in all of these crazy colors that you never would have imagined mm -hmm. with just that one color. It's like, you know what, let me combine this with this and and let's see what happens. And and, and as you were describing that, it, it kind of reminded me of that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio when he would go into people's dreams. Oh, which one was that? I oh, can't... goodness gracious. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think now. I, I, I cannot I remember. I Oh goodness gracious! We're going to be here all day trying to figure out that that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. But um, see now, folks, I got to take a pause. Sorry, I shouldn't have asked. No, no, that was me um, thinking about. Uh, but it's more the, important that the point you were making is more Inception. Important. Oh right, of course, of course, yes, Inception. I know. Yes, 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 of course. And, and 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 hearing you describe how you you would put different you know things together, different sounds, different beats. It, it kind of reminded me that was the first thing that popped into my mind was Inception because mm -hmm. they would go inside this dream and anything could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And anything could happen. Yeah. And so that, that's, that is, that's a very good analogy. Yes. Yeah. So, For so basically you make Inception music. I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and it's not, and, it, and, and, and I think, and I think that's absolutely phenomenal, but you know what? Um, you're a pioneer in a few ways, uh, you know, your eclectic sound, but also being one of the few women to score feature films, network TV, short films and more. How have you been able to accomplish all of that? You know, it's. Uh, you know, people ask me a lot of times, especially up and coming composers want to know, like, how did you get in? How do you how do you do this? I have been, you know, by being independent and being proactive about getting my music and my sound out there. It has caught the ear of some very interesting filmmakers. And then so in the early days, you know, like that poster behind me, Boiler Room, Ben Younger, was he had written and was directing that film for New Line. And New Line, you know, as, as all the studios do, they have a list of like the usual 10, 10 or 15 guys. They're all guys that score all the movies. And so he was like, you know, they had him meet with everybody on that list. And he kept saying, but that's not what I want. I don't want traditional score for this. And at some point I had met, actually I'd already done Gridlocked, I think at, at that stage. Yes, Gridlocked came first. So I had, they'd wanted me to actually score that film. And I may, I may have told this story before, but the bottom line is, Polygram turned around to the filmmaker was Vondi Curtis Hall and said, you can't hire her to score your film. She's never done it before. So you, you ask, well, then how does anyone ever get their first shot? Well, sometimes they just get lucky and somebody pushes hard enough, but they, and they believe me, this production did push, but in the end they hired Stuart Copeland on that one. And then they came back to me and said, well, we want your sound. You know, can we just pair you with him in some way? And I was like, well, if you do that, you know, this <laughs> like in the beginning of my career, you know, I had no idea about the politics in, in composing and, and there's a lot. So I, you know, I didn't even think like that, that by just telling them the truth, which is like, look, I, you know, the reason that I sound the way I do is because I sit in a room by myself and I create it. Mm -hmm. um, if you, I can collaborate with other people and I'm open and obviously I have a lot of respect for Stuart Copeland. He's an amazing musician and I love him, but um, you're not going to necessarily get what I do if you force that. And they were like, well, maybe we can just like give you your own cues. And so that's what eventually happened is they came back to me after like a month or two of the whole gig. They came to me first to get me to do it and then they it went away and then they came back. 
So uh, these are the kinds of things that happen. So it's, I don't want people to think, oh, well, it's been so easy for her. She just like, you know, everybody just thought she was so cool and they, and they hired her. No, not really. You know, there's been plenty of those like um, things that should have happened, absolutely, and didn't because of some nepotism or some other bullshit that, that it went away. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that are just enormous, just completely out of our control in life and in this industry. And a lot of decisions that are made within the industry, unfortunately, are not always based on who is the best creative team. What's the best creative fit for this per this director, this television show, whatever it might be. Often decisions are made behind closed doors and they're not they don't make a lot of sense at all. And then, of course, there's the whole idea of this sort of, you know, composer factories that exist um, by many of the A-listers of yesteryear who figured out a great way to always be working and making shitloads of money, which is to set yourself up. You're the brand. You've got the relationships. You get the gigs and you got a bunch of kids straight out of Berkeley, you know, backrooming, ghostwriting, producing, sometimes doing everything on, on wow. an entire day where you as the you know the main composer maybe maybe you pay a little attention that much but if you're doing five ten shows at a time anyone who says that they're actually hands-on with that is full of shit that that's the bottom line so you know there's a lot of that and it's still going on to this day and unfortunately the studios and networks know about it and they seem to be all right with it personally i think it's dreadful and uh, i don't ascribe to that I don't work that way. And if it means I can't be a gazillionaire, so be it. Because I actually show up for my my creative colleagues. I actually care about them. I don't, you know, I don't look at them as like, oh, here's some money coming in. Here's a gig. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, what can we create together? Mm -hmm. right. Let's do that. So that's how I come at it. Um, you know, everyone's in it for different reasons and everybody does different things. Um, I'm not looking to build an empire. I'm looking at just be me and have fun with my friends or people and colleagues that, uh, that we can create together and do beautiful things together. And that's, you know, that's why I also still will do independent projects. I still try to work with at least one woman uh, director a year, whether it's a short or it's just an independent film. And right now I have a, quite a lot of projects like that, like a real mixture of both independent and studio that we talk about too. Yeah. So it's interesting as you were talking about the main the main person being out front and then everyone else being in the background. It mm -hmm. reminded me of this movie that I just saw with uh, Glenn Close called mm -hmm. The Wife and her husband won the literary Nobel Prize mm -hmm. for being a supposedly the best author in the world. Right. Turned out. It wasn't him writing. Mm hmm. It was her. Yeah. And they had met back in college and he was actually a professor. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that she was just so head and shoulders above him as far as the craft was concerned. So when he finally got that job, she actually submitted uh, one of her transcripts to these people that that she, that he that she worked for because yeah. he was trying to get a job. And she ended up submitting her transcripts because she had actually submitted his and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, you know, make um, the cut. Well, so then she basically said, I think we, there's a way we can work around this. And she ended yeah. up submitting her own and yeah. came home and told him you got the job. Mm. So she wrote for him forever. So that's basically what, what, what that story you just relayed to me reminded me of, but I have well, a question for you. I'm sorry, please. Yeah, it just it, it it came up again recently because Hilliard Guest sent me a link to a podcast where I don't know who the person was that was kind of revealing a lot of this stuff because mm -hmm. they came up the other way, mm -hmm. basically ghosting for other big composers and, and what that's like and how grueling. I mean, the job is grueling anyway. Like, let's just face it. It's, it's a 16, 17 hour day kind of a job, especially if you're in TV. Film could be different, but sometimes it's also crazy because the schedules can be so tight and they, they're getting tighter and tighter because because I think a lot of the studios are getting used to, you know, knowing in the back of their minds that when they hire so and so to do it, oh, they got a big team. They're like five, five guys will be knocking this out in no, in no time. Well, that's great if that's the way they everybody, but not everybody works that way. And I certainly don't work that way. But um, but yeah, it, it was just very interesting to hear 
someone else describe in great detail what goes on in those circumstances. And it, you know, and, and that, this was in like in the past week. Um, and Hilliard had sent it to me because he knows that I don't ascribe to that. But he was just like, yeah, you, you should have a listen to this. And I was like, touche, absolutely. And it's great that people are actually lifting the curtain, you know, and and at least making people aware that this exists. And it's really like, it's like a dirty little secret. I know writers often, well, not often, but some writers have to have somebody ghostwriting because again, the, the time that we all have to create is is really, it can be very, very tough. The deadlines are really tough. So I'm not saying no one can ever have any help. There's a difference between help though, and really taking advantage of, uh, you know, other creatives and having them do all the work and you pat them on the head and you give them a few bucks and then you take all the credit for it. Right. So that I think is pretty crap, but you know, again, this is what it is. So anyway, you were, you were going to go somewhere else though. No, no, no. That that's, that's, that's a phenomenal point because, and you know, I, I, I people need to hear this hmm. because if, if they're going into this life with a certain mindset or a certain set of expectations, yeah, they need to be told what really goes on because then when you get where you're going, you're saying, but no one told me. Well, now you're being told. Yeah, so I had now, no idea. I had no idea when yeah. I got into this. I was shocked. I was literally shocked. I mean, it was actually Stuart Copeland who who laid it out for me because he, mm. when I did get hired, he was like, you know, so I normally, you know, sketch stuff out and I hand it off to a team. And I guess in this situation, with this was with Gridlock, he said, I guess I'll I'll sketch it out and give it to you. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not really how I work. Um, and he he got it. Like once I just said, no, that's not how it's and he was like, oh, okay, cool. And to be honest, he's a real gentleman and he mm -hmm. is very, very talented. So it's not like he needed me to do anything for him, but it was more that it didn't even occur to me that anybody worked that way. I, Cause wow. I'm so, I'm so tactile. I'm so hands-on that I just figure everybody does it like that, but not, not necessarily. Hey, everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment, and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode. To your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. Wow. Yeah. That's that that is so interesting. But I have a question. Yeah. 60 channels. Yeah. How did you come up with that? Where does that name come from? Where did that come from? You know, there's there's a lot of the the old uh, mixing desks were 60 channel desks. Oh, desks. Okay. And um, and I just kind of, you know, felt like I knew what I was going to do with it was going to be very eclectic. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like 60 channels would kind of sum up like all of these different things that I throw into the mix. And that was exactly the case. I mean, I've got, you know, Angie Hart it was the lead singer for a band called Frentes, an Australian rock band, and they had a lot of success. And so I pulled her into my electronic, dubby, dubtronic craziness. And she's wonderful. And I, I really love her. You know, uh, Monday Machiru, who is also a producer, writer, incredible vocalist, you know, she is Japanese, uh, Italian, American. She's, and she has been in the, in the jazz world um, a lot of her life, but also kind of jazz, funk, soul. So I, I again, I, I met both of these women because I was asked to remix tracks for them. Mm -hmm. And then we became friends and have, and have been for many, many years. And so I've involved both of them in my projects where I, I, where I can. And, but, you know, different, again, pe pulling people in from different genres and just letting them have some fun so we could play and do something different. You know, I've had, like, and obviously Slim Kid Trey, Rain Phoenix, also who's, you know, a singer songwriter. She's also my cousin. Um, she, you know, the music that she does is completely different from what I do, you know, mostly acoustic and very, very different. 
And I've just pulled from all of these different places, DJ Collage, Karen Grant. Um, Karen has done a whole a whole heap of, of great music with, uh, um, why am I blanking? But some real reg reggae hi heavy hitters. And she's brilliant. And so just all of these different flavors and these different things that people do that I really love, you know, it's been a really fun uh, project so that I could do whatever I want and just, you know, al allow it to be something different so that not every track is like the same. Um, also Navigator, who's a huge jungle MC from the UK. Um, he is really one of the, like the godfathers of, of jungle and drum and bass and, uh, and is another very good friend. So, you know, again, we just, you know, I got into DJing also, and I was DJing not only hip hop and, and, and I'm kind of like a pioneer of trip hop. And so all of these different things. And, and uh, yes. So, you know, all of these different flavors are all in everything. And then they're all in 60 channels for sure. So, uh, yeah. Trip hop. You got to explain trip that hop. to me. I have never heard that before. What is trip hop? Trip hop was like, you know, it came out of, out of like the nineties where it started really, I think, with DJ culture, like where the DJ became the artist. That didn't really happen until maybe 90-something. I can't tell you exactly, but it was in like the mid to, to late 90s where like DJ Shadow and um, I'm trying to think of who my other contemporaries were, but like some of the other acts that were like doing trippy left field instrumentals mm -hmm. that, you know, were beat driven and that you know, if you had a vocalist, it might've turned into a track and it probably would have been hip hop and like kind of, so, you know, it was a sort of melange of things that were a little bit like left, just left of center, trippy, you know, beats and flavors. Um, some of it were, you know, acoustic um, instrumentation and, and a mixture of that with synthetic sounds so that it just had its own certain something, yeah. So, so you know what? I'm going to jump some questions here because I wanted to talk about Coachella, but we can get back to that. Oh, but what you just talked about watching the video, how it goes down. Mm. Did you what you just talked about with the trip hop? Was that a huge influence on that particular video? Well, you know, I think it's kind of part of my natural vibe is trippy. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I'm making music, so, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, part of it was just like, we didn't exactly know what we were going to do, but yeah. Trey and I talked about how can we do something, keep it simple. Um, he's in Portland. I'm in LA. He used to be in LA, but he's in Portland now. Okay. And I was like, you know, where you could, he could just film himself performing. And then we would take that footage and create a crazy world around him. And he liked that idea. He really wanted it to be as like out there as possible. And so we just kind of followed our, our, our noses with it. You know, it wasn't like we'd storyboard something and go, oh, this is exactly what it's going to be. Because, you know, the song is a little bit hard to, to define exactly. You know, I don't want to be literal about anything. I just, and, I, and I like that anyway, even when I'm very specific with my mm -hmm. lyrics. I didn't write the lyrics since he wrote the lyrics. But, you know, I, I like the idea that people interpret a song in any way that that feels right to them mm -hmm. so it just felt like we just wanted to kind of like make it just visually constantly moving and and so that you feel a sense of movement no matter what what and where and then i just really had fun with threw it into motion and i just layered things and just cut things up and just did, did what i do with music it's it's funny i don't normally edit visuals but um I have done a little bit of it, but it's it's not really it's not my thing, and it's not my forte, my mm -hmm. long shot. But um, it was fun to take the the reverse approach to take the music I I had already created and then cut up and and do use a similar process with the visuals, so it, it, by and reverse engineering the process. So that was kind of cool. Wow, and, and, you know, it was again. I, I I like that kind of music because it's different and it's not cookie cutter. Yeah. Thank you. It, 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 it's very, and it's very, it's very visual. And I suggest watching it while you're sitting down with a glass of wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's All really right. good. But well, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about Coachella. Wow. Yes. You played Coachella. I played the very first Coachella. 
Wow. That year, it was like 110 degrees, even though it was, I think it was October of that year. And it was so hot that the, the transistors or whatever was in the mixing desk when we were actually performing live, they were melting. And oh so we were getting like zzz, all kinds of crazy effects were happening. And people thought it was like intentional, but it wasn't. It was actually <laughs> the equipment was starting to melt. Wow. And it was crazy. I mean, that, you know, that was, I think, when I released the 60 Channels album, the first 60 Channels album. And um, and so I pulled in a lot of my vocalists, like Navigator was with me. And I don't know if Trey, I can't, you know, honestly, I'm like blanking. I know Mystic was there. Jody Watley oh, wow. joined me because I had remixed Jody, and um, and I knew she was local. And I just said, "Hey, you want to just join? And I'll I'll, I'll play your rem you know the remix of your track so that you could you could rock it live." And she did that as well, which was really cool. It's just part as part of like you know what I do rather than it just being all about me as an artist. So um, you know it was uh, and I think Angie was with us. So it was, it was cool. It was just a, it was fun. It was a great day. Um, and who knew that it was going to become this, you know, huge festival, you know, that has lasted all these years because that was really, it was like a, that was the experiment and it worked. Wow. So you, yeah, because I was, I was going to ask you, I mean, you know, did you guys have any idea what it would turn into? And it's so interesting, you know, you, you do the first one and now it's this thing where you probably can't even get a ticket. Probably not <laughs> because it's so expensive. It's kind of like uh, Sundance. Yeah. When, when Robert Redford first started Sundance for yeah. filmmakers who couldn't get into other things, and now you know if if you get into Sundance, it's it's uh, it's just as uh, easy easier probably to hit the Powerball. Yeah, but, probably exactly. Yeah. You're well, right. Let's let, let's talk really quickly. I'm I'm going to go a little off topic That's because okay. one of the most phenomenal uh, rap groups ever. De La Soul lost one of their founding members, which was yes. a devastating loss. Absolutely. That's the type of uh, rap that that I grew up on. You know, a tribe mm. called Quest Far Side, you sure. know, you know, groups, groups such as that, uh, you know, the Jungle Brothers. Um, so so did, did you actually did you actually know David? No, I didn't. I didn't. But but the thing is, I did a gig in vegas once i was djing there's a big fashion um conference every year called magic and they often different promoters from the different venues would bring in uh, artists to, to play you know the evening club venues and so i was actually on a bill with uh with dela one night i was actually djing before they came on and i had actually met them in London backstage at a, I think it was like a Red Hot Chili Peppers gig. It was like the really oddball thing, like not not what you would expect. Mm -hmm. um, super nice. And and yeah, that was just really, man, it's just, I mean, we're, we're losing so many of our heroes, our contemporaries, uh, people that we loved and, you know, and that bring back that, that memory of something. I mean, you know, uh, we lost the gift of gab not that long ago, mm. and you know, Black Alicious are also part again. We were all kind of coming up around the same time, and I worked with Gift of Gab on he was the other person that I brought in on the one original production on the Blue Note album, mm. a track called Mixed Feelings. It was is actually the title track of the album, um, and I, I was producing it for a contemporary jazz pianist on Blue Note called Jackie Terrison. And again, I said, I, I said to, to Keith Thompson, who was the coordinator and the person who brought me in for Blue, at Blue Note, I said, can I bring a vocalist in on this? I think it would be a really cool thing to do. And he said, sure, whatever you want to do. So I, I involved Gift of Gab and we actually, it, it wound up that I needed to do this over like a Christmas that year. It was like maybe 95, 96, it's some, somewhere around there. And uh, and they said, well, we'll fly Jackie out and we'll fly Gab out. I was like, wow, fantastic. So we managed to do this thing. And he he was just so wonderful and so, so unique. It has such an amazing flow. And I was just so sad that we lost him too. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. 
I'm with yeah. you. I mean, I, I was a, a, I'm a huge fan of hip hop from day one. Mm -hmm. I'm a New Yorker. You know, I know I, I lived in London, but that's where it all started for me. And, you know, going to clubs and seeing a lot of these acts, you know, way, way back in the day before things really got big. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I've met, I've met a lot of my my heroes and, and, and uh, I'm a fan first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a beautiful genre. And I was actually talking to my wife a couple of days ago about it, how when we were coming up in it, you just had no idea what it would become. Exactly. And that it and, and now, you know, it is so mainstream that yeah. you can turn you can turn on the straightest lace commercial you can find yeah. and and hear a DMX, you know, overlay in the background. You're like, yeah. really? Yeah. You know, so that 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 is how mainstream it's become when you had so many naysayers saying, oh, this isn't going to last. This isn't going to last. Mm -hmm. And now your grandkids are listening to that music that you said that wouldn't last. And and, and truth be told, you probably have a couple of tracks in your car, you know, but you just ain't telling nobody. But it's OK. It's OK. <laughs> so let's talk about your projects, because you have you you are busy. So the Kill Floor, the Pub, Beyond the Badge, and uh, the reason our podcast kept getting pushed back and pushed back, the heist. And oh. you worked on uh, two of my favorite people. You worked on their projects, um, Yvette Vargas's Confession and Craig Williams' The uh, Mechanics Rose, which yeah. I had the pleasure of seeing when I was out in Los Angeles at the uh, the Michelle Film Festival. So yeah. can, you, can you talk about those projects? Sure. So um, yeah, Whatever you can share that is. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Beyond the Badge was, was a while ago, but the, the ones that are current now are uh, The Kill Floor, which uh, I scored for director Carlos Avila. Carlos um, is well known for uh, a film called Price of Glory with Jimmy Smits. And that's when I met him was back then. He was working on that film for New Line and I was just coming off a boiler room and I scored a... Uh, a an independent lens uh, short film for him called Junkyard Saints. And so we know each other all these years and we've worked, this is the third time I'm working with Carlos. He also uh, directed, wrote and directed a, a documentary called Tales of Masked Men, which has been on uh, PBS. And The Kill Floor is something he's, he wrote and, and directed. Um, he started writing at the beginning of COVID and he shot it um, last year. And so it's a uh, it's it's a look at a rural Latino community where the main uh, the main industry is is a meatpacking factory, mm. and so uh, all of the locals work there. And so during COVID, and this was in all across the news, it was, this made the headlines, and this is what really spurred him on to want to write this. There were no protocols, so they just weren't you know they weren't uh, actually putting those protocols into place. And so people were getting very sick and dying left, right, center, and it was really a, a terrible time. So the film is, is not a depressing film. It is about a father and son. The father has been working at the factory for 35 years. The son comes back into town um, and, and he's a grown up now and he's a journalist and he's actually coming to town to uh, do an expose on on the factory. And so it's it's a story of, the father at first is very concerned because he still has a job there and he's right. a company man and he doesn't like what's going on there, but he still, you know, doesn't want to cause any waves. Um, and then during the course of the, of the film, his son is able to do his interviews with various people. And the father decides that he's ready to actually speak on the record. And so it's, it's a, it's a larger story, but it's also a very personal story between the father and son. It's really beautiful. And it's totally organic. Um, all the instrumentation is very, very organic and and just lovely. So that's that's that film that is in festivals right now. It just won its first audience award oh, um, at the San Diego Latino Film Festival a couple of weeks ago, and it will be airing on uh, Latino Public Broadcasting in September. Hmm. So that's that project. Yes, I did also work with Craig on The Mechanics Rose on a project I really love very much. He and it was Yusef Mays, who was the writer director, and that was a really personal story for him, for the writer director. Um, and it was about his mom, and I really, wow. uh, I, I really felt that that story very much. 
And so that also was, but that, you know, again, that was set, I believe it was set in New York. And it was, uh, you know, just again, a very personal story and, and a very touching emotional story. And I loved, I loved working with, with them on that project. And that, yes, that went to festivals and it did nicely. And, and I'm glad because it, it deserved, it deserved to get the accolades that it did. And, uh, and I've obviously been working with uh, Yvette Vargas on Confessions, not only as a composer, but also as a producer. I was very involved in, in uh, some of the big produ producing type things. So, you know, and this is a normal situation in, in, in any independent film, any independent project. You know, it's really hard to get everything right you know, for millions of reasons that are working against you as a filmmaker. So, you know, you lose the light, you lose, you know, you, you lose your slot in the day to like capture everything you need or, or just things, you know, you, you know, didn't quite come out the way you needed them to, you know, and again, the, this is not limited even to independent projects. I've seen studio projects where we've had to go back in because they needed to do pickups and, and clean some stuff up. So, you know, with, with this film, there were some uh, issues where at the beginning, you know, I wasn't really involved in, in the, the first three days of shooting because uh, I, I, I was just getting to know Yvette and, and she had asked me to, to score the film. And I was just like, great, whenever, you know, you need me. And, uh, but as, as she got through her editing process, she discovered that she, she had some issues and she was like, look, before we lock this, I want to just show it to you and see what you think. And if you have any ideas, any thoughts. And I was like, okay, great. And so when I did, I asked her a bunch of questions about like, do you have this coverage? Do you have that coverage? And they didn't. And I said, well, you know, would you be up for doing uh, any pickups? And she said, absolutely. What are you thinking? And I said, well, I think this, this, and this three major things, like think a couple things to reshoot and something to add. And she was just like, I absolutely agree with you. And from that point on, where we really talked every day about, okay, what will this be? What will that be? Um, you know, how is it best to, to deal with it? And then, so we did that extra day of shooting, which was fantastic. And, uh, and then it really came together and the two of us really, you know, worked very hard in, in post and in, later in post before I actually started scoring, but just to get it to that place, get that edit right and get everything you know just so that it was as tight as it could be and, and as impactful as it could be and then I scored it and it was you know it was an, a great process of working together she's a fantastic creative she's just really open and collaborative and and just and and just such a positive spirit you know just determined but not in that kind of way that is like you know like there's nothing negative in that it's just determined right. and and uplifted and like yes you know like the answer is yes it's never like oh i don't know none of that it's like yes let's do this and let's make it happen so it's um it was a real pleasure getting to know her through that process and to and to help it get to the place that it is now and uh, we've been had that's also started its festival run so it will be hitting other festivals it will be at michelle also this year oh yeah so do i get to see you because i'm coming well, I think so, because now I'm actually like going out into the world and doing that kind of stuff. But actually, I the only reason I missed Mechanics Rose wasn't because of COVID necessarily, although I really was not going out and doing any of that stuff. But I wasn't in town. So oh. I will make sure that I'm in town because by the time I knew it was happening, I was already booked to, to not be around. So, but yeah, I think we will probably meet IRL. Well, I hope, Next I time. hope, I hope because... I was going to come out for the entire five days, but I can't. I can only come out for three. I can. Um, I'm going to miss the first two days of the festival because uh, we're actually. I'm actually having an event here that Thursday because I'm a part of a, a nonprofit and we're putting on a pretty big uh, to do. Oh wow! And when I said, "Well, I'm going to be in," when I told my team, they was like, "Well, it, it's." It's uh, Thursday, July 13th. I said, well, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. And they said, well, you can't, you can't, you, you have to be here. You, you have to be here because we, I, I can't really say anything right now, but we have some really dynamic people coming to Philadelphia uh, with the film that they're releasing. I really, I, I, I'm not trying to be cryptic, ladies and gentlemen. I really can't say anything right now, but as soon as I, I'm able to, I will. But it, it's it's a pretty big deal. And they, they said, well, you're part of the board, so you have to be here. So I had to change my plans. So then I can't come out to Friday. So I, I truly hope I get to see you. Same here. So so what's next? 
Well, the thing is, the, the, the next thing that's going to happen that I didn't actually get to is, is Heist 88, which is yes. um, a, so this is, this is a Paramount project. It's a Bassett Vance production. So uh, Courtney B. Vance is the lead. And nice. me and Angela are the producer. This is their through their production company. And it's written by uh, Dwayne Johnson Cochran, who is amazing, and directed by Menage Huda, who I've done five projects with at this point. This will, you know, a couple of, of features, Kid Altered, Everywhere and Nowhere. Uh, it, we did a BBC Three pilot together, which was a very unusual thing because the Beeb don't usually do pilots, but they tried it that year, um, and unfortunately, it didn't get picked up. But and I've I've done a couple of TV movies. One is The Na Neighbor in the Window for a Lifetime, and this was this was for originally for Paramount Plus, but it's actually going to Showtime. Oh wow! So, yeah, so we just found that out, and that that announcement was made this week. So, uh, but this is a really interesting story because it's based on an actual bank heist from 1988. It happened in Chicago. And um, it was like one of the biggest bank heists, I think at that time, up until that point that we'd ever seen in this country um, by a very, very clever man who figured out how to, how to, how to pull off something crazy and convince non-criminals to go in on it with him. And it was, it's, yeah, it's, so it's a very interesting story. But the cool thing, and you're going to love this, is that the backdrop of it is Chicago house music. This is 1988 when Chicago. Oh yeah. All rage. So um, Menage really wanted me to incorporate as much of those 80s sounds, the synthetic sounds, into the score, and he wanted it completely non-traditional, as non-traditional as I could make it. So that that was a fun one, a completely different flavor again from Confessions, which is a very uh, very interesting story about a 500 year old uh well he's been a, he's a 500 year old angel <laughs> that really even makes any sense but the bottom line is he he was he was kicked out of heaven and he's earthbound and he's been stuck on earth for 500 years to, to do his penance to try to make his way back mm. so um, it's a it's it's a very interesting story about faith and about you know what we what we need to atone for and and it's very evocative and so that that was you know that had a certain that had a very i brought a lot of gravitas to, to the score of that because our angel is is a is a wonderful actor carlos leal who um is a spanish actor and he and he in the he's playing uh, a character who was once a spanish conquistador hmm. in in but it's a modern story so he he's he's a very internal character and he's and he's really lonely and he's unhappy and he's trying to figure out how he's going to make his way back up to heaven and yeah. and he's and each time he works with sinners to have to get them to atone that's that's his penance he has mm. to work with sinners get them to atone and then he feels at some point he's going to finally be able to get back but he has no idea how many more he has to do and so wow. he opens his, his ancient book and Every time he scratches one name off, another one just magically appears, and he's just like, oh, "Come no. on, really?" You know, five hundred years already. It's like that magic ink you erase it in it, or that candle you blow out, and it lights back up. You're like, "Really? Come on!" Good you know, exactly. But I, I actually bought one of those, uh, one of the uh, NFTs. That was my first NFT. Oh, purchase. that that is beautiful. Thank you for that, Floyd. I know yeah. you really appreciate that, yeah. and we all do. That's very cool because we are working. She's working now on. Um, another installment and and actually it's being pitched as a series i mean this it's such a no-brainer as a series the, the the story is just her world she's got a huge world and it's really evocative and cool um, and there's just stories forever and they're they're unusual you know the sins are not just a typical kind of thing and there's a big twist to confessions which is really good so you know so that's that but then so i went from that and that flavor uh with a bit of old world flavors as well as other flavors and uh, into into high state eight where I'm, I'm I'm all like very electronic and very mm -hmm. cool and very of that of that moment of the eighties. So uh, that's coming. I don't know exactly when. I don't have the date yet, but it's coming soon. High state eighty eight. Well, I can't wait to see yeah. all of it. I'm I'm definitely excited about 
uh, seeing confessions as well. I'm still trying to figure out how to uh, put my NFT in one sp- one place. I'm I'm very new at this, so I'm still right. trying to. It's it's out there somewhere, you know. I, you I found it. it. I, I found it. I'll find it again. But yeah, it's in your I, wallet. But yeah, I, it's I, somewhere. I, I like, and you're like, what's a wallet? Because it's, like, it's, a, it's a virtual thing. I know. I, I'm with I, you. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm still learning. <laughs> but I have it. I I bought one, ladies and gentlemen. So that's my first NFT purchase, and I was so excited. And, and I was so excited to support Yvette because I love uh, coming into her rooms every Wednesday because I learn something every single time I step I foot in that room. And to have people such as yourself on the stage imparting such knowledge is is just amazing. But it, it's it's always so much fun having you on my podcast. And you have to do it again. And uh, I really, 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 really hope that I get to see you Same in here. July. Because yeah. there, there are a couple of people when I came out last time, I didn't get to see you. I didn't get to see you, Dorez. So yeah. there are a couple of people that I truly um, hope to see. So any yeah. um, parting words of advice for anyone looking to get into this industry? Well, you know, it depends on what part of the industry and none of it's easy, unfortunately. But if you are willing to, you know, kind of make yourself available to people that, you know, are are open enough to like let you shadow if you want to become a director or, you know, let you kind of experience it from the inside where, you know, you can at least get a sense of what it might take to do that job, whether it's script supervising, whether it's being a writer, whatever it might be, you know, community is a huge piece of the puzzle. And that's why I I also really love supporting New Hollywood because, you know, it's uh, it's a nice way to give back, I think. And it's a really nice way for everybody to kind of build some community around each other as they're as they're going up, as they're, you know, finding their opportunities where they can. I'll just say, look, you never know with these things. I mean, honestly, showing up is like the biggest thing. You know, like it's easy to talk yourself out of even trying because the odds are so bad. But if you're really passionate about it, of whatever craft it might be, and you are honest enough with yourself to, to know that you really do have talent for that thing, then there should be no reason to not keep going, you know, and, and try everything you can. I mean, you know, try to reach out to, to creatives who you think might, you know, might give you a little bit of time or, or mentor or help in some way. You just never really know. But yeah, the road is not easy. I mean, it, I, you know, I can't, I can't not be honest about that. And, you know, again, I didn't come up as a composer in the usual way. And I also didn't wait for anybody to invite me into the music business either. You know, I think the more that you can create yourself, and this is why Yvette took the reins and just said, I'm doing this. You know, like I'm going to show people. Showing is way better than telling. Show people what you can do uh, if you can do it. You know, that's another another way to kind of move yourself forward. And if you're a writer, it's fantastic because, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You just have to spend your time. Uh, really learning the craft and 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 being creative on your own time, and that that's a, you know, that's another way in which you can prove, you know, proof of what it is you can do. I just think it's 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 really important to be able to show people what you can do, and then remember that you are a big part of it. Like when you're trying to sell something, you're also selling yourself. You know, you have to be someone that people really want to engage with you know, invest in um, not just that that product, but in you. Um, and so, you know, it's important. It's important to care about the people that you want, even the people that are, you know, that, that are your kind of uh, idols and people that you want to work with. And, you know, you want to be invested in who they are. If you're asking for something, if you if you want to get in, then you want to show that you've really done your homework and that you really understand what it is you're even, you know, what, what, where you're stepping into, what, what that arena is. Um, so I think, you know, just being knowledgeable, being thoughtful, um, caring about others so that it's not all like me, 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 you know, that helps that really all that stuff helps. And, uh, and don't let, don't let a, don't let a knockback get you down. That that's key. Because there is not a single one of us, no matter what we've achieved, that can say that, oh, I've never been rejected. I've never, you know, like, no, that's not not the case. Everyone's been through it. So and you will survive it and you'll do better. That's it. 
Yeah, th th those are phenomenal words. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't listen to anything else, the last couple of minutes has been a masterclass. And, and you're so right, because and, and if anyone were to tell you, oh, I've never had a setback, then that's someone that I'm not going to yeah. deal with too closely because <laughs> you're being very untruthful. Yeah. You know, it, it's that's just not the way this business works. It's just not. But Angel, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, I, I had such a great time. And again, you definitely have to come back. I think I want to just bring a big group of, of uh, you know, creatives and we just get on and chop it up and just, you know, share some knowledge and some stories nice. about of different journeys. Because the thing that I took from this entire talk that we had, and you mentioned it, was community and how you've managed to build such an amazing community over 30 plus years in this business, you know, all the, all of the things that you've done and the fact that you didn't have to, you know, well, Hey, here's my resume because they knew you, mm. they knew you, you know, yeah. wasn't even really, yeah. you know, your work speaks for itself, but yeah. the fact that they knew you and they say, you know what, she's somebody that I want to get down with. And, and that, mm. that is amazing. So if I could leave you with anything, I hope you listen to this three, four five times because this is a master class in relationship building. True. Because that's exactly what it was. And again, I love it because I learned some new stuff tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining myself and the amazing angel, super crucial, straight out of Brooklyn. Yo, yeah. Conversation with yeah. Floyd Marshall and Angel the Super Crucial. And ladies and gentlemen, if you like the episode, please share it on uh, Apple podcast because I'm trying to move up in the, and I do not like using that word try but I'm going to use it tonight I'm trying to move up in the rating so the only way you can do that is if you share it with your friends and uh yeah so we're mm. going to end the show and I'm going to end it the way I always end it please love this like a hobby but above all else treat it like a business and on that note ladies and gentlemen have an absolutely phenomenal night and get out there and get it done peace thank you Floyd thank you